If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Howdy folks, Craig here on the third floor. In this special episode, Ray and I play Malifaux 3rd Edition Matchmakers. We hope to help you find the faction and crew that best matches your play style. It's a new way to look at all of the factions and masters in Malifaux 3rd Edition. But before we jump in, we have a special offer from our friends at Gadzooks Gaming. Gadzooks makes custom items like fire and ice pillars. They sell individual models, so you don't have to buy the whole crew box. And they also have great offers on upcoming Malifaux 3rd Edition boxes. And they're offering our U.S. and Canadian listeners a sweet deal. Free shipping on orders over $100. Just use the promo code THIRDFLOOR, spelled out one word. Again, THIRDFLOOR. Using this promo code helps us bring you content on this podcast and via our YouTube channel. So even if you're outside of the U.S. or making an order less than $100, please use the code so they know how you found them. Swing by GadzooksGaming.com and use the promo code THIRDFLOOR. All of the details are in the notes. Now on to the episode. Enjoy. I want to talk about each faction a little bit. So if we can kind of go into each faction and and kind of give the listeners an idea of what we consider kind of the three styles that kind of define uh, that group. Can you start us off with Guild? Do you like to play masters that are complex or do you like to play masters that are easy? Everything that Ray and I are about to talk about has absolutely nothing to do with how effective these masters, keywords, and factions are. You're sitting there, and in order to score the points, you need to be on the other side of the board in the next turn or two, and you have brought the crew that's going to be able to get that model from here all the way over to there. All three of these masters have a very specific thing they kind of want to be doing, and it's very apparent how you're going to get that job done. What is their team plan when they're getting together in the huddle? And when they're getting together in the huddle, that, that team plan is, let's go forth and murder. better than stepping away from the screens, unplugging and sitting around a table to do battle with your friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars brings you the latest strategies, tactics, and reviews on board games, card games, and miniature games like Malifaux. If you want useful information on the games you already play or new insights on great games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Howdy folks, Craig here on the third floor, and believe it or not, we are well into 20 episodes now, and I finally got my partner in crime, Ray Flynn, on our podcast. Ray, I welcome you finally to the third floor. Yeah, it's been a, and quite a pleasure listening to you interview all the other people that's been going on. I've been very much enjoying the content, so happy to contribute to some myself. Well, and you guys can look forward to Ray uh, hosting and doing his own podcast in the future soon. Uh, I'm just so happy to be the one that kicked it off. But uh, to say that Ray and I are excited about this episode is um, really underselling it. Um, one of the things that Ray and I have been talking about lately is really how much has changed from 2E to 3E in Malifaux. But not changed too much. So, you know, I played Rezzers in Malifaux 2nd Edition and Guild. And, you know, looking at the factions today, they are still Guild. They're still Resurrectionists, but they're just different enough. So Ray and I wanted to put together a uh, kind of a guide, uh, a matchmaker, if you will. 
we thought about, you know, what are different things that people like about crews or factions? What do they look for on the table? What style of crew and faction uh, do they like? And now as we go into third edition, we're hoping to kind of give you an idea of, you know, what factions or masters you might like to play. Now, I think the important thing here is uh, two things, right? Uh, One is, I will always say that as much work as we've done on this, the number one thing you should do to decide what faction and master you should play is what looks the coolest. Don't you agree? Absolutely. hundred percent, sir. I can't, uh, I've told the story multiple times and I can't emphasize enough that what drew, drew me into Malfo initially was the aesthetic and my love of 10 thunders. You speak of your love of resurrectionists from second to third edition. My love of 10 thunders is a similar story. And that was definitely something that um, I really do recommend every time I try to introduce someone to here is find something that you're going to enjoy um, either putting together, painting or putting on the table, preferably all three. But that's where you look first. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you used to be too, you know, if you picked up your first crew box um, because you thought it looked cool, you might've found yourself kind of stuck in a faction a little bit, right? Because, mm. you know, you, you thought the Perdita looked cool and, you know, you buy Perdita, but you really, you know, wanted to make sure that you had, um, you know, some of the models that were in Nelly's box and some of the models that were in another crew box with the keyword system. Now in third, I think it's easier to, to jump from master to master without being stuck in a faction. Don't you think? I really do think so. And what I'm kind of hoping is going to happen with weird is they're going to do kind of what feels to be the right thing, which is box these keywords up uh, in such a fashion that you can go out and just pick up a resurrectionist box of the master that, you know, tickles your fancy and be able to put that together and put it on the table and get right into playing. Um, So that's definitely something I'm hoping that they do, but the keyword concept just in general really enforces the idea that if you like one master from this faction and you like one master from that faction, it's totally okay to split your attention. And I don't think that that was necessarily so easy to do in 2E, like you pointed out. Yeah, I agree. Now, the second thing, and this is the bigger point, is everything that Ray and I are about to talk about has absolutely nothing to do with how effective these masters, keywords, and factions are. So you're going to hear a bunch, you're going to read a bunch of articles in the next year. You're going to hear a bunch of podcasts and videos in the next year of people telling you what masters are the best, what factions are the strongest, who needs to be nerfed. What Ray and I are talking about today has nothing to do with that. So we might say these are the top three uh, factions or the top three masters for this. None of it has to do with effectiveness. Um, Uh, Ray, what are your thoughts on that? So one of the best things about M3E, in my opinion, is that there isn't a dead keyword. Every master, every keyword, every faction has play. And that's wonderful design. It's great for the game. It's great for the competitive environment. And it's great for the casual environment. So our goal here, as you pointed out, was not to really pick that apart yet. The game's new. It's not even been released officially yet. So we'll let other people who that's a little bit more of their focus pick that apart. And I'm sure in some of my podcasts, I'll go deep diving into some of that as well. But stylistically speaking, how Killia Crew is, how schemey it is, how mobile it is, that type of thing is really important for selecting your masters, for enjoying the game, because it is a game. And whether you play competitively or not. No, Ray, I agree. And I think style is probably the one word I've been trying to search for in my head that kind of really talks about what you and I are doing here is what style of crew, what style of faction are you looking for? That's what we're going to try to help you with. So I think I think that's a perfect way to describe it. All right. So we've been talking about everything but what we came here to talk about. So let's <laughs> uh, kind of first get into really kind of the six things you and I focused on. Right. We focused first on difficulty. And then, and we're going to dig into each one of these. Next, we talk about fun factor, mobility, 
keyword synergy, control, and deadliness. And Ray, I, I really want to start off with difficulty. Um, so what we're talking about here is we looked at all the masters and all the factions, and we went in and said, you know, which masters are the most complicated or the least complicated? And again, not to be a broken record, not who's the most effective, least effective. Who's the hardest to get your arms around and who's the easiest to get your arms around? Right. And this is one of those things that people are going to argue about this objective nature of it. And we try to be as objective about it as possible. And so here's kind of the breakdown for difficulty. Some of the masters that we might call out today as being easy masters to play may have quite a bit of depth to them. That's not what we're looking for. This is, that goes back into that whole kind of power discussion. We're not talking about the power level of the difficulty. We're talking about do you like to play masters that are complex or do you like to play masters that are easy? That's kind of what we're looking at here. Some masters you can pull out, put on the table, you know exactly what they're supposed to do. Whether or not they have deepness that can take them in other weird levels that elevate their power and their gameplay, we're not talking about that. We're right. just talking about when this master gets on the table with its keyword, can you figure out what it needs to do quickly and effectively? And, and that really, you know, that's a that's a style of, you know, that people have, right? They like something that's really intricate. They like something that's not really intricate. And for those of you that are out there, you know, doing the good work and starting to build up the metas again, as we go into a new edition, and when the new edition drops, you're going to go out there and you're going to start preaching the gospel and getting people uh, back playing this great game. This might be something that'll help you with those. So let's talk about difficulty. So, Ray, after looking at all the masters, the factions with the really the on average easiest masters to handle, we have Guild, mm -hmm. Bayou, and Arcanists. So, Ray, I want to go into Guild first. Um, sure. So, can we talk about what we considered the easiest Guild masters to wrap your head around? So, there, this was probably the hardest category to deal with. And so, it's kind of good that we're going over it first, just to almost kind of get it out of the way. For me, when I'm looking at a master about difficulty, I'm looking at how many interactions do you need to keep track of? How many difficult decisions you need to make? And what I found for Guild is looking at Cornelius Boss, or Bass, however his name is pronounced, Lady Justice, and good old Mr. Charles Hoffman. These masters and keywords, you could take them and put them on the table and you know what needs to get done. Base wants to get in your face with some guns. Lady J wants to get in your face with some swords. And Hoffman wants to get in your face with some stompy bots. And that's about it. And and Ray, I think that those are definitely the three I would have picked too, because it um another way to think about this is that you pick up those three keywords and you read mm -hmm. a couple cards and you immediately know exactly what's going to happen on the table. You know yeah. how you, what your plan of attack is going to be. Now, we look at some of the other ones in Guild that we have as being the most intricate or the most difficult. You know, you've got like Nelly and Lucius, which, um, you know, are, are, are a lot more difficult than using Lady Justice. Indeed. And a lot of that comes from the fact of, again, going back to that whole interaction concept. Nelly has a lot of intricate interactions. Lucius has a lot of intricate interactions where you're comboing and synergizing off of things that don't make the path to victory necessarily readily apparent. Yeah, it doesn't make it any shorter or longer, the path. It just is how obvious is it and really kind of how much practice is it going to take, I think, to get effective on there. So so that means that in Guild, again, are what we consider the three, we on average consider uh, Guild one of the easiest factions um, with the um, least amount of difficulty. And the three masters, if you go Guild, uh, to look at are Cornelius Bass, Lady Justice, and Charles Hoffman. Ray, let's jump over to Bayou. Um, so right. Bayou is in that uh, one of our top three easiest uh, on average, um, least, uh, least difficulty um, factions. Who did we have as uh, kind of the masters within um, Bayou that really made them uh, you know, one of the easier factions to get your head around. So the thing that's really interesting about Bayou, and I think some people might try to argue with me about that, and that's great. Let's get some conversation going in the uh, on our Facebook page or on our uh, website. Gremlins are in Bayou, sorry, Bayou now, in general, is not an 
easy faction per se. It's just that overall, a lot of their masters are very straightforward. And for me, the three most straightforward masters were Ophelia Lacroix, Ma Tuckett, and Wong. All three of these masters have a very specific thing they kind of want to be doing. And it's very apparent how you're going to get that job done. You don't have to do a lot of, hmm, how do I get this to happen to work? It's just going to be there on the cards, ready to go. What I think is interesting about Bayou is that I think, you know, even though on average, it's one of the quote unquote easiest factions to get your head around. It's got quite a curve at the end. I look at the last two masters in our rankings for difficulty, Brewmaster and Zareda. Those are not easy masters to wrap your head around. No, they're really not. And the thing that's really interesting about this in general is that if you really put it on paper, all of the masters in Bayou have quite a bit of depth to them. It's it's not that they're necessarily only plug and play. Like I said before with the guild, we have a, there's a lot going on here. But overall, Brewmaster and Zoraida just have way more moving parts than some of the other masters you're going to find in Bayou. Yeah. And, and I think one thing that's kind of cool as we go through this is that even though, you know, we kind of drill down from faction down to uh, masters and the way that we kind of got here is we built up, right? We ranked all the masters on all of these categories and then averaged them out to get the factions. Um, even if you decided, you know, I want to start by you because I think it's one of the easiest factions to get my head around. Well, there's going to be masters in by you waiting for you if you want to start getting intricate and complicated. So I think that that um, one of the things that I found in this process, Ray, is really it looks on the surface that in third edition, Weird has done a pretty good job of kind of balancing out these uh, uh, masters within the factions. Absolutely. And um, hats off to them for all the hard work that they do really put out. The I want to say the word's probably elegance, but the elegance of the keyword system is really something to be inspired by. It's really something to uh, truly appreciate because it lowers the barrier of entry. It creates thematics, mechanical thematics, which is really hard to do in general. And it just, all of them feel pretty good by and by and large, you know, everyone's going to have their favorites and all that, but it's like, it's just really hard to get all that done and still have a cohesive game. Yeah, I agree. All right. So let's talk about our third faction that we said was one of the easier factions on average, and that's the Arcanists. And in Arcanists, we're looking at Rasputina, Hoffman, and Tony. Can you talk a little bit about them? Yeah, so the one thing that's really, really awesome about Arcanist is that each of the masters in Arcanist really has a distinct identity. Some of the other factions, you kind of get the feel that everything's kind of tying together. These guys, it's like there's nothing remotely similar about Rasputina, Hoffman, and Ironsides. Raspy's throwing out, you know, pillars and arcing damage away from herself, and it's just kind of being a mobile assault platform. Hoffman doesn't do that at all. And then Ironsides is basically kind of like a fisticuffs brawler. It's like, it's just, it's really, really cool how unique they all are. But again, you know, the whole difficulty conversation here, what they do on the table is pretty straightforward. You know what you've got to do to win those points with those three masters. And when we talk about, you know, higher difficulty within Arcanists, um, we're talking about two masters that really, you know, activation order is important. Positioning is really important. And it takes a lot to make Mayfang and uh, Colette effective. I agree with that statement very, very much. And I actually, uh, I've been putting Mayfang on the table a little bit more lately. And it's always another puzzle piece to unlock with that master. It's like, and, and again, it's like you can play her straightforward if you want. Um, but, uh, it's the, the joy of playing her comes from the complexity that you get there. And the same thing with Colette. Colette is just this very intriguing master that has a lot of interesting interactions and you can play her a variety of styles. And it's kind of like, almost like a puzzle box you're trying to unlock and go, what am I going to do next? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, even though Ray, we're talking about, you know, who's the easiest or the least complicated, um, stylistically we have people out there and you're one of them that prefer the intricate masters, right? And prefer that uh, those puzzle boxes. Oh, absolutely. They're, they are absolutely my favorite masters to play. Uh, Colette and Mayfang are definitely the, the two masters in Arcanist I reached for first 
And, and that's kind of, and that kind of brings us back to what we're trying to talk about here with style. It's like some of these masters, you may have heard us uh, mention just now, we went through about 10, uh, 10 to 15 masters. You might ne- not necessarily agree with the fact that they aren't difficult or they aren't easy, but what we're talking about here is just putting it on the table and, and going. And masters like Colette, you can't just put it on the table and go. You have to take a minute and really read those cards and and play some games. Yeah. And play some games and go, what am I doing here compared to a master like, you know, Rasputina, where you can put her on the table and put her keyword on the table and go, I know what I'm doing next. Now, is it which one's more powerful? That's not part of the conversation. Just if you like easy. If you like simple, straightforward. I think straightforward is probably a better word. That's a good word. It's not necessarily easy. It's more straightforward versus less straightforward. And Rasputina, Ironsides, Hoffman, Inarchanist, those are your straightforwards. Mayfeng and uh, Colette, they're your roundabouts. Yeah, and as as we kind of uh, finish out this and start talking about something, uh, another category here before we leave, um, and this actually illustrates the point. I just you know talked about Ray how you love intricate you know. uh, less straightforward, more um, uh, not complicated. It's really hard for me to put it exactly into words, but I think we've gotten our point across. Ten yeah. Thunders we found to be one of the most intricate, right? And that's your favorite faction. Absolutely. So um, yep. that's 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 what we're calling difficulty. We're going to take a break here in a second, and when we get back from the break, I want to start focusing on deadliness. So, what factions on average have the deadliest masters and keywords, and uh, what are the masters within those groups that meet that? So, we'll be right back. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring, along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. All right, so we've covered difficulty. Let's now get into deadliness. Ray, when we say deadliness, what are we talking about? We are talking about what is your goal? We're not necessarily talking about how good at it that you are. This is not a measure of how much you're going to kill in a turn, though some of these masters that measure can be fairly high. What we're talking about with deadliness is when you put this model on the table, you're putting it on the table because, or you're putting this keyword on the table, you're putting it there because you intend to kill this game. That is how you're going to score your points. And this is the keyword that is most aligned with accomplishing that goal. You're, you're looking to erase models. Right. Yep. Yep. All right. So the three factions that we consider to be the deadliest are outcasts, resurrectionists, and guild. So, Ray, I want to start with uh, outcasts. Um, I know and this is not a big shocker, uh, but uh, what did you consider the, uh, the three, quote unquote, deadliest masters within outcasts? This was actually a little bit harder than uh, some people might think, but absolutely far and away, the top two are going to have to be Victoria's, the Victoria Chambers and uh, Leviticus, um, followed by uh, Leopold von Schill, which might surprise some people. But those are definitely the three that I put as being you when these masters come on the table, expect death to be coming your way. Yeah, it, when, when the Vicks, Levy and uh, von Schill win the game, you expect not there to be very few opponent models left on the board, right? Oh, absolutely. And again, this isn't about necessarily like how good are they at killing things. It's like, obviously, the Victorias are are good. What we're talking about here is like, you know, what's their end game plan? What What is their what is their team plan when they're getting together in the huddle? And when they're getting together in the huddle, that that team plan is let's go forth and murder. Yep. And what did you consider kind of, you know, the least deadliest of the outcasts? Um, for me, it was Terra and Zip. The, the, both of those models feel like uh, they're uh, well, not just the models, the masters, but um, the keywords in general. They have a lot going on. And again, not that they can't kill. They absolutely can. But I feel like their roads to victory are not defined by that. 
That makes sense. All right, so let's uh, let's flip over to our next uh, cat, um, faction that we picked as one of the deadliest, and that's the Resurrectionists. And Ray, I'm looking at uh, kind of uh, our numbers here, and uh, I'm noticing that we've got Seamus, McMorning, and Reva as w- we consider the deadliest of the Resers. Right. And again, this is going back to that concept of looking at what the crew's intent is to do um, more than it's looking at the power. I think some people would probably argue that like Jack Daw should be in this top three, but Jack Daw can do other things. Um, Seamus, McMorney and Reva, their kind of primary role as their keywords are, I want to get into your face and I want to remove your models because it benefits what I'm doing, what my game plan is. Yeah, and and remember when we call out resers and guilds uh, are as outcasts so far, and we're saying you know that they're one of the deadliest. We're not saying that every model and every keyword in there is deadly. So, for example, one of the least deadliest masters that um, I'm seeing right now in M3E total is a resin. That's Molly, um, and right. so. Even though Rezzers were considering one of the deadlier factions, you know, with, you know, something like Molly um, in in play there, you can still play Rezzers and not just go out and kill things. Absolutely. And that's and that's really the thing. That's the big factor we've been we were trying to do with all of these uh, categories and trying to rate the masters within these categories is just indicate stylistically you know use that word it's our buzzword for this podcast stylistically what these masters prefer to be doing all right so let's now move over to our third deadliest um faction and that's uh no shocker here guild um and in with guild yeah within guild we've got lady justice perdita and sonia crid as probably the three biggest drivers that brought guild uh as one of the deadliest Right. And, you know, when you have the blind lady of justice swinging a great sword as one of your primary figures there and then a uh, dual pistol wielding, you know, uh, monster hunter esque style individual, you know that things aren't supposed to stay on the board for too long. And uh, Guild has one of the distinctions of having a little bit of uh, not necessarily bipolar, but. They have such a wide breadth of available to them for styles of masters. And Lady J, Perdita, and Sonia are kind of at the top driving the aggression train. Yeah, and I'm actually going to call out Guild um, for something else here in combination. Um, so we've said that Guild is really, on average, one of the least intricate or easiest uh, factions. And we're now saying that it's also one of the deadliest. So as you're talking to somebody who's new to Malifaux and they're coming from say Warhammer or War Machine, where really th- those two games have one goal and one goal only, and that is to remove your opponent's models. I would go forth and say Guild might be a good fit for people making those transitions, both because the, as a faction, they're not one of the more intricate and they like to remove models. T- Absolutely. I'm in 100% agreement with you. Uh, Guild's one of my favorite factions. I really enjoy them, even though Sonya is on my permanent ban list. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure we'll hear about that from uh, from some certain people on the, that will go nameless. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, but, but Lady Justice and Perdita in particular are kind of like your melee versus your ranged, you know, beaters. And so if you're if you're from a game system that you really enjoyed getting into people's faces and you don't want to have to think about complicated, you know, interactions, you just want to get in people's faces and go forth and murder, then like Lady J is it. And if you like playing the shooty version of that, then you got Perdita. Yep. And then Sonya's just a little bit behind both of them with like a combination. She's kind of a mixed arms approach. So it's it's a really cool top three rounding that out where you've got uh, both of those styles or all three of those styles represented. Yeah, and I think that coupled with, again, the difficulty um, average for these masters, I think they might you know prove to be a good transition faction for somebody new. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that's deadliness. Now I want to talk about our next category and that's mobility. So when we talk about mobility, what are we saying? 
We are talking that your game plan when you get on the table is to control positioning, not control the board, not control the table, but your personal positioning, your ability to get where you want to get quickly and with, you know, being able to deal with what your opponent is trying to do to stymie that. And it's one of those things that's uh, it's an interesting category because mobility in and of itself doesn't necessarily win games. And that's one of the reasons why we're talking about this from a stylistic perspective and not a power perspective. Um, we're, we're looking at with mobility are masters that are defined by the fact that they are going to be jumping around the board or their crew is going to be jumping around the board. And you're going to be able to feel like you are in control of where you are at all times. And there are some masters that are kind of a little bit more ponderous and like you bring them up into a gun line and go. And that, that play style appeals to some people, but then there are other people who really like that play style, that dynamic, Oh, I'm moving all of these pieces and then they're going to, you know, push into here and hide behind this and peek out and do that. And that's what we're looking at is we're looking at the factions and the masters that do that particularly well. Yeah. I mean, these are factions and masters where you're sitting there and in order to score the points, you need to be on the other side of the board in the next turn or two. And you have brought the crew that's going to be able to get that model from here all the way over to there. So let's, let's dig into that. So our top three mobility factions are 10 thunders, outcasts and resurrectionists. Ray, can we talk about 10 thunders who are our most mobile masters and keywords within the um, outcasts? I'm sorry. Well, at the top, of, yeah, no worries. At the top of the pile, we have Mei Feng. Um, I don't want to get into too much details, but their ride the rails ability on the key on their keyword allows them to basically warp around the table as long as you drop scrap markers, which is the other thing that that faction does or that keyword does. So you end up with this master that literally you feel like you can go anywhere with it. And then right next behind her, you have Yan Lo, who his entire fact, his entire keyword is really about getting up and moving forward. And then we round out that top three with Masaki, who literally can appear anywhere on the table that she wants to appear at. Yeah. So if that's not the pinnacle of mobility, I'm not sure what is. Uh, no, I, yeah, definitely. And, you know, if we kind of dig in further on that, you know, you've got what we consider maybe some of your slower or late, least mobile uh, 10 Thunders Masters, and that's uh, Lynch and uh, Yoku, right? Right. And again, this is not so much that they can't get where they want to go. They can, but they're just not defined by it in their play style. Right. Okay. How about outcasts? We call, we consider outcasts to be one of the most mobile factions. Who are our three most mobile masters and keywords within the outcasts? So topping the list off again is going to be the Victorias. They are absolutely, they dance across the battlefield. And actually, like, I kind of feel, I wish that the keyword was not mercenary, that it was battle dancers, because they're at the top of the outcast ratings for both uh, deadliness and mobility as far as play style is concerned. And they, they literally do the whole keyword just dances around the battlefield. Parker Barrows is next up with their running gun, like, you know, bandity heist concepts. And then the, we're going to end that top three with uh, Zip who is the dread pirate that is now uh, thankfully an outcast as well as Bayou. And he's just, his crew can just go all over the place. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. So uh, last but not least, we are Rezzers. Um, how did Rezzers become one of the most mobile factions in our opinion? Well, it's so again, this is addressing the concept of not necessarily um, mobility from the perspective of how far can they get up the board and how fast can they get up the board so much as their play style defined by how mobile they can be and how and how much that factors into what you're doing with them. And in the case of Yan Lo, Karai and Seamus, our top three in Rezzers, all three of those masters want to be doing things that involve positioning themselves and being in the right place at the right time and getting to key, you know, key points and controlling those points. That is what they do. So that's why we're, why the, the resers have come up to be something where like, you might think, well, Hey, undead and zombies, how fast can they really be? Well, it's like, we're not talking pure speed. We're just talking about ability to position 
and the desire to do so because that is what your keyword is going to benefit the most from. And those, those three do that. No question. And, and I'll tell you, again, remember, this is on average, Resers was on the most mobile, but you look down and what we considered within the faction, some of the least mobile, and they're pretty mobile. Like, for example, the bottom three are McMorning, Molly, and Von Stuck. And uh, McMorning and Molly have some big movement tricks. Yeah. And Von Stuck's not exactly slow either. Yeah. So again, it's like, it's not about speed, much like deadliness wasn't necessary about killing, you know, and I know we're hammering this point home, but we just really want to make sure that people understand where we're coming from here. We're talking styles mm-hmm. and Yanlo, Karai, Seamus want to be moving up. Molly, Dougie Fresh, McMorning and Mr. Von Stuck, they don't necessarily, that's not necessarily their game plan. Can they? Sure. Yep. But that's not that's not what they're focused on. Yeah, like so Molly's, you know, Molly's thing is that she definitely has some mobility tricks, right? But that's for positioning mm-hmm. as opposed to being mobile. Right. And that's and that almost feels like it's counterintuitive there. It's like, well, hey, what's positioning? I mean, isn't positioning and mobility kind of the same thing? It's like it, they're intricately tied concepts together that can probably that probably deserves its own podcast. But being able to be mobile doesn't necessarily have the same condition as being able to be to position right. properly. No. Nope. And uh, so a lot of that actually does kind of come down to uh to player agency. I completely agree. All right, so we're going to take a break here, Ray. And when we get back, I want to talk about synergy. I want to talk about, you know, those f- factions and those keywords that have the most synergy between uh all of their masters and keywords. So we'll be right back. Okay, so we um, really got a sense of, you know, mobility and deadliness. Um, Ray, I think one of the more interesting uh, styles that we picked or categories that we picked was keyword synergy. What, what do we mean by keyword synergy? So one of the really awesome things about playing games in general is the thematic concept of what you're doing. And so when we look at keyword synergy, keyword synergy, that's kind of the point we're trying to address. Some of these masters, some of these keywords and some of the factions don't require the keyword to be effective or enjoyable um, or achieve their goals. You can do versatile models. You can do out of keyword models and you can have great games. And, And truth be told, every master, this can be the case. But what we wanted to look at is we wanted to look at those masters that were, again, stylistically defined by the fact that they want their keyword around. They want to be in theme more than they don't want to be. And that is where we want to uh, you know, drink, draw the attention is that style of, hey, if you're looking for something thematic and you really want to play the fluff game, these guys might be someone you want to look at because they want to be fluffy. And are we talking combos here, Ray? Uh, sometimes, yeah. But I think combos, you start going a little bit into the power discussion. Mm-hmm. But definitely combos exist there um, because the whole point of it is that you're, some of these synergies and some of the keywords have abilities that don't necessarily interact with each other, but that's just a unifying keyword that they all happen to have, or it's a unifying ability they all happen to have in that keyword. So it, it brings with it a theme, but it doesn't, it's, it's not interactive. The keyword synergy we're talking about here is interactive thematics. Got it. Stuff where when you put these things on the table, they look cool, work cool, and feel cool because you're all that keyword. All right. So um, the three factions that we considered really to have the most keyword synergy were the Neverborn, Ten Thunders, and the Arcanists. Uh, Ray, kind of walk us through how Neverborn became one of the uh, highest uh, factions for keyword synergy. So Neverborn's probably my uh, unrequited love, uh, hidden love of the of M three. Um, not to not to say Ten Thunders isn't still at the top, but Neverborn jumped up to number two for me very quickly when I was playing it in uh, the open beta. And a lot of that reason was because there's so much flavor packed into these keywords. And at the top of the list, we have Dreamer and his nightmare keyword and how he works on the concept of the more nightmares that exist 
he gets better. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and it's like, it's even more esoteric than just like existing on the board. Like they, if they exist not on the board, he gets better because, Hey, their nightmares haunting you. It, thematically speaking, it's fantastic. And we have Euripides who is like this giant, who's this literally a frost giant who's thrown around ice pillars as is the rest of his crew. It, fantastic. And then Pandora who uh, opened the box of misery, so to speak, and she just works all of her mechanics and all of her abilities in the keyword just work and synergize so well with each other that when you put it on the table, you're like, wow, this just feels great. That's cool. That's cool. So uh, we also call out 10 thunders. Um, and I see that we've uh, we consider Shenlong, Yan Lo and Mei Fang to have uh, really rank high on the keyword synergy. Absolutely. And Shenlong probably should be far and away at the top of that category just because the whole monk concept, he's got a monk for each style that he's a master of. And if that doesn't already sell you on the concept, then I'm not sure what to tell you. Um, but uh, Shenlong, Yanlo, and Mei Fang all love, 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 love having their keyword with them. They uh, fluff wise, it makes sense for them. Play-wise, they get their uh, become more intricate and more entertaining to play, and more enjoyable to play when they have them. And and aesthetically speaking, like I mean, come on, like you know, you're putting this monk master of the four styles, you know, four elemental styles, and his four elemental monks, you know, with him. Like that's just cool. Yeah, that is cool. All right, last but not least, uh, one of the another faction that we consider to have a lot of keyword synergy was the Arcanists. Um, and I think now that we're um, probably read it about halfway through the podcast, Ray, this may be a record for the amount of to- amount of Arcanist talk I've had on this podcast. Um, so I need to take kind of some deep breaths. But talk to me about Arcanists a little bit, Ray. Why do we consider them to be one of the factions that has uh, the highest keyword synergy? So the uh, big thing for this is for the Arcanist, we already kind of talked about a little bit, and I know it does pain you to talk about <laughs> Arcanist. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure to talk as much about them as possible. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the, for Sandy, Poffman, and Mei Fang, you see a lot of Mei Fang on these lists, and it's because she's really, really fun and really good right now. Just, just you know, poke there, that bear. But the, so Sandy, Poffman, and Mei Fang, the reason you see them up there is, again, because you're looking at the fact that they all work really, really well together in their particular keyword. Uh, Sandeep has this whole academic thing, elemental thing going where they have mantras that like trigger off of each other. So like when they're meditating um, or taking the concentrate action, it's like they're meditating and then like achieving enlightenment. And so (laughs) the more of those guys you have out, the more options you have there. And that's just, it's really, really cool. And then Hoffman, I mean, Stompy Bots. Like if you want to play Stompy Bots, you want to play Hoffman. And the more Stompy Bots he has, the happier he is. Yeah, no, I think that those real those three really stand out, and, and it makes it uh, pretty obvious why Arcanus, um, you know, ended up pretty high in that list. So that's keyword synergy. Um, I want to move over to. Um, a category that's going to be, I think, a little bit tougher for us to explain, uh, Ray, but I think it's a, a significant one. And what, what we called this category was control. And uh, mm. let's walk let's walk the audience through what we mean by control. So this one is really, really hard. And I'm going to apologize ahead of time because there's going to be a little bleed into discussion uh, that will probably sound a bit like power scale. And we tried to not do that. But it it was really difficult to do because control is quite honestly the ability to control the flow of the game, whether that's controlling your opponent's hand, your hand, the models on the table, scheming, that type of thing, the board positions in general, like the, the ability for you to come out and affect the game. And so we're trying to take that concept and turn it into a stylistic top down view. And the way that we've approached that is looking at it in the concept of when you put this crew on the table, do they want to control the game? If that is what their primary desire is to do, then they're ranked high. If when they come on the board, they don't really care about controlling the game, their plan is going to be whatever it is without exerting influence, if you will, then they ranked a little bit lower. Yeah. And I think that um, it's critical to understand there's many aspects to control. And just because we have masters and keywords and factions at the top of the control, we're not saying that they have control over all of these aspects, right? So we're not saying, you know, that they all control 
hands, right? They don't all control the board, but, you know, overall that style of, you know, controlling an aspect of the game and really dominating a certain aspect of the game. That's, that's really what we're talking about here. Um, And this is another category, I think, Ray, that really defines you stylistically, don't you think? I think so. I I try to argue the point with people sometimes, and I think I lose that argument pretty often, but uh, control is probably my most often picked style of a master to play. I love all styles and I've played, I want to say now I've probably played about 65 to 70% of, of the masters in M3E actually physically put them on the table. And, um, the, and I've played against almost all the rest. So it's, I definitely delve into all the, the aspects of the game, but control is probably my first. Love. Yeah. I think that's, you know, once you get done kind of getting a feel for them, I'm noticing that those are the ones you return to and also the ones you talk about the most. Yeah. All right. So what factions did we consider to really be defined by, you know, control? We have Neverborn, Bayou, and Ten Thunders. So, Ray, let's go back to your second love, Neverborn, and let's talk about what masters are defined by their desire to control aspects of the game. So at the very top of this list, we literally have a master whose thematical fluff is that she tampers with fate. And that is Mama Z herself, Zoraida. Uh, Following up behind her, we have Lucius Matheson, again, thematically speaking, a master that wants to control things. He was, I think, the uh, former governor's proxy or governor or governor's general. I'm not totally hip on the fluff, but he used to be in the big politics of Malifaux. And then the current uh, fluff is he got fired or kicked out. And so he's trying to exert his influence and control again. And then rounding out that top three is Euripides, because the concept behind those giants is that they are in touch with the old ways and the ancient magics of Malifaux, and they use it to control and alter the flows of fate. So, yeah. And Ray, you know, you're talking about, you know, uh, from a fluffy aspect, but with all three of these masters, those, that fluffy stylistic things you were talking about, and this is because of the keyword system that translates to how they play. Absolutely does. Zoraida uh, is very much on obeying models and affecting their ability to cheat fate or how they or what happens when they cheat fate in the game. Um, Lucius is all about commanding his troops and Euripides is all about literally affecting his ability to win duels. So they take these these thematic fluff concepts and mechanically represent them in, in quite honestly, a way that's brilliant. I agree. All right. So that's never born. Another one that we had high on the control uh, on average was Bayou. So in Bayou for uh, control, of course, Zareda is up there um, Mm -hmm. uh, as we, we've already talked to her, but I want to talk a little bit about zip and Ma Tucket. Why do we consider them to be stylistically control keywords? So Zip and Montucket are one of the are both interesting keywords in the fact that they are able to do a lot of different things. And ultimately, that's kind of why they ended up being fairly high on the control factor is that they're mobile. They can kill. They have synergy with their keywords and all that type of stuff. Like they kind of do a little bit of everything. And but at the end of the day, when you do put them on the table, Your goal isn't to necessarily control where you go or who you're, you know, or what you're killing. That's not your intent with those. Those are going to be byproducts of you controlling the flow of the game. And so that's that's what ends up uh, pushing them to that top, especially Zip in particular, um, I think very much is 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 that kind of master where it's like if you look at a lot of his crew a lot of his crew does a lot of mobility shenanigans and a lot of killy shenanigans but at the end of the day the way you're going to approach that crew on the table and how it's going to feel when you put it on the table is going to be you're controlling the board and the flow of the game you're asking your opponent the questions not the one being asked questions right Right. All right. Last but not least, let's talk about 10 Thunders, another faction that on average ranked high among the control style of play. Right. And moving to this one has some interesting picks to it. Moving to the top of the list is absolutely the new master, Yoku Hamasaki. Her entire theme is that she's an information uh, broker and a, basically kind of a super spy and a mistress of a information network. And she absolutely represents that in her keyword. 
Um, Lucas McCabe, ironically enough, like if you wouldn't necessarily think that he would be a control master just from thinking about a relic hunter, but he really kind of is. He's all over the board, just kind of messing up with your opponent's things, throwing out artifacts and stuff like that. He's just, he's just trying to control the course of the game. And then rounding out that list, we have Shen Long, um, who literally adapts to whatever situation he's involved in. And I think that literally epitomizes control in the form of like a uh, taking out from the fluff, but more mechanically speaking, being able to adapt what your opponent's doing is a real big hallmark of a control master. Yeah. And looking at these top three for control, I think these are three really good kind of case studies and what you and I are talking about. So these three don't control the game the same way, right? Each of them controls different aspects of the game. Yoku controls your hand. McCabe is going to control, you know, the board. Um, So even though they both rank high in control, they're not controlling the same parts of the game. Right. And that's one of the things that made trying to display the control, you know, trying to pick people, to uh, for ranking purposes and control, trying to pick the masters and rank them was so difficult. Was trying to not get too narrow, but not get too deep. Because again, we're talking style here. We're not talking power. We're not saying that Yuoko is more powerful at control than Shenlong. We're just saying that that's typically what she's going to want to do when you put her on the table. She's going to want to control things. Right, and these are, these are the factions and the masters you should be looking at if you're really into that style of play. Right. All right. Our last category, and I purposely save this for last because I think that, uh, again, when we're talking about bringing people into this game, um, I think this is another important category. And this category has nothing to do, even tangentially to do with uh, effectiveness, but it does have a lot to do with whether you're going to get excited and into this game. And that's what we call the fun factor. Uh, so Ray, you know, as we went through and looked at every master in M3E, what were we thinking when we said fun? So fun is, uh, this is one of those things that's really subjective, but for us, when we were talking about it and we were going through all of this, I think the thing that really kind of drove the point home is Win or lose, did you enjoy what you did? Yeah, I, this is. I'm going to use the old, uh, you know, pornography thing where uh, you know I, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Right, and <laughs> you know they're they're just they're just there's masters where you just go, God, they're just fun, and someone goes, Well, why are they fun? You're like, I, they're just fun, <laughs> and that's really what I think we're talking about. So uh, the three uh, factions that we consider to be the most fun or have the highest fun factor stylistically were Bayou. 10 Thunders and Neverborn. So let's dive into Bayou. All right. So I'm going to do a little bit more specific things about the Masters here just because I want to point out some of the thing, you know, or at least one thing for each Master that really kind of pushed them over the limit for the fun thing. So for Zip, we have his the ridiculousness of his actions and his ability showboating. Literally, the whole point of Zip's faction is that by cheating fate, they get to draw cards for doing so because they're showing off. He drops pianos. He shoots a lightning gun. He has a jetpack. This is just, he's got wrestlers and he has like, you know, deep ones from like, you know, HP Lovecraft working for him. It's like, I have no idea what's going on with it, but it's amazing. Um, yeah. Zoraida and Ulix finish up that Zoraida. There's just something fun about being able to look at your, the board and go, you know what? This model didn't get as much work done as I wanted it to. So Zoraida, you're going to activate and now it's going to do, do what I wanted it to do. And there's just something really, really cool about that. And uh, the whole voodoo doll concept that she has where she can summon a voodoo doll and then hex your opponent. It's just like, come on, you get to hex things. How is that not cool? And well, and I think it's okay, Ray, to say it's kind of fun to control your opponent's models, too, isn't it? It really is. Like, I'm sorry for all the opponents I'm going to ensorcel and charge your model into your back line and then melee attack for a second time. I'm not really sorry. Um, it's fun. It's so much fun. And then Ulix <laughs> is the last one in that top three there because pigs, man. <laughs> You're just throwing around slop and and like literally having crazed, insane, you know, murder pigs attack people. Like 
Yeah, the, the whole mechanics of Ulix and, and 3E is just really fun. Like, it's it's fun. It's just fun to watch him, you know, to to upgrade his pigs and, you know, the slop haulers or, you know, going around and throwing grub around. And, and it's, uh, yeah, I, I've watched a game uh, in one of the tournaments that you hosted, Ray. I watched um, uh, John play Ulix. Oh, right. And about 15 minutes of it. I'm like, you know, I've never had an interest in playing by you, but you looks, looks fun. It does. And that's, and that was the thing. That's ultimately why, um, by you ended up being like near the top of the fun factor. It's like, I, uh, to full disclosure, I hated by you in M2, not necessarily because like, I didn't like how they played or anything like that. I just didn't like the aesthetic or the feel, you know, that kind of esoteric feeling. They didn't have a fun factor for me that I appreciated, but I'm looking at the stuff in M3 going, oh my God, how fun is this? And I never thought I'd say yeah. that. Yeah. All right. How about what, who's fun in 10 Thunders? Oh, uh, well, I'm biased. Absolutely everybody in 10 Thunders is fun. <laughs> but if we're going to go with the top three, I'm going to have to, again, the my apparently this is like our secret love of M3E. Mei Fang makes another appearance in our ranking scales here, um, followed by Shenlong. Shenlong is amazingly fun. And Lucas McCabe. So starting with Mei Fang, um, her whole concept with riding the rails, the freight train kind of concept is what's the deal with her. She has rail workers. She has a rail golem. Well, it's called a metal golem now. But like the thematic of her being kind of like this, um, almost like a foreman, like rallying the workers, you know, the, the railroad workers, and then taking that thematic of working on the railroad into a mechanical uh mobility based thing which is basically what weird did it's just it's so much fun to do it's so cool and she combos for days and yeah that's just another thing that's really great about her how about shen long shen long um i don't have enough good things to say about shen long the chi mechanic where you can focus uh, you can concentrate, and when you take the concentrate action, much like Sandeep, you, they represented the meditation with mantras. With uh, Shenlong, they represent the you know channeling spiritual energy by being able to gain chi tokens, and that whole concept is great. But the thing that really makes Shenlong super super fun is that he has four different styles of martial arts that he can perform, and he cycles through them every single turn, and his uh, totems can borrow actions off of them. And yeah. they all have a trigger. Every style has a trigger that when you use the style, if you get the trigger, you can swap styles. So he can stance dance every turn, multiple times a turn. And that's just, it's just freaking cool. <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> all right. Um, so let's talk about Neverborn. Neverborn also came up high on our list for fun. Um, who did we consider the most fun masters in Neverborn? So the, the uh, probably, uh, I think he's a newcomer to our discussion for today, but Marcus um, is now a Neverborn Master in addition to Arcanist, and he is absolutely incredibly fun to play. He does this mutation concept now where he attaches mutation upgrades to uh, his keyword Chimera and then the beast that he's allowed to take, and it just opens up so many doors. But the thing that I think that makes it really cool is that from a headcanon perspective, you're mutating your dudes on the battlefield. So it's like, you're like, hey, you, I need you to go somewhere. You're going to sprout wings now. It's like, wait, what, boss? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then we've got Zoraida and Euripides. Yep. And uh, I think we've already uh, given Zoraida some due time there. So Euripides, uh, the, uh, honestly, it was one singular th- or actually two singular things that made Euripides amazing for me. Um, in the fun category, which was he is able to, his entire keyword is able to take a point of damage to flip from the top of their discard pile rather than from the top of the fate deck. And yeah. the shenanigans that you can do with that are, they never stop being entertaining. And then the other thing is he literally can bowl with his ice pillars. He can take an ice pillar he creates and he can throw it at models and then it shatters and tries to knock them down effectively. 
And <laughs> I remember reading that, reading his card and reading that keyword for the first time. And I'm like, OK, we've never seen anything like this before. And that sounds fun. Yeah, no. Bowling with ice pillars is my new favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to take another break, um, Ray, and then we're going to come back and kind of wrap things up. So we're going to kind of do a quick recap on really the top three factions um, for each of these categories. And then, Ray, I want to step through each faction and kind of talk about, you know, what of these factors kind of define each of those factions? So we'll do a little bit of a faction guide to close out. So we'll be right back. All right, so let's do kind of a, a quick uh, recap. So on the deadliness, we, uh, we called out outcasts, resurrectionists, and guild. For control, stylistically, we found Neverborn, Bayou, and Ten Thunders on average to have uh, really more masters and keywords that are were con- we would categorize as control. For keyword synergy, you're going to want to look at Neverborn, Ten Thunders, and the Arcanists. If you like mobility, check out Outcast, Rezzers, and Ten Thunders. If you want to have a good time and just have fun on the table, check out Bayou, Ten Thunders, and Neverborn. And then if you're new to the game or you don't want a big headache and you just want to put some models on the table and you're not, um, you know, take five games to figure them out, check out Guild, Bayou, and Arcanus. But, Ray, before we uh, leave, what I want to do is, um, you know, instead of ranking them against each other, I want to talk about each faction a little bit. So if we can kind of go into each faction and, and kind of give the listeners an idea of what we consider kind of the three styles that kind of define uh, that group. Can you start us off with Guild? Sure. So the number one thing, obviously, uh, that we're going to go with with Guild is going to be the, their deadliness factor. Um, this is definitely a faction that you want to be looking at if you're looking for a little bit more of the point and click kind of concept. It's got masters that don't do that, but it's some of its defining masters are set them on the table and you know murder your opponent. And there's a lot of synergy to be found in those masters at the same time that allow for some really great thematic concepts to come through while you're going and putting these, uh, these murder bots to task. Moving over to 10 Thunders, we want to look at their uh, overall, their uh, fun factor is pretty high. Thematically speaking, they're a lot of fun to put on the table. Um, they are a little bit more difficult to play, but they're more rewarding, arguably, because of that. And we're really looking at their mobility and their synergy with their keywords here. It's a very, the faction's defined by positioning and by properly using the interactions with the keywords. And I think if that's the thing that appeals to you, then that's where, then 10 Thunders is going to be a great faction for you. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to talk about Arcanists um, because apparently I did something bad. But uh, Arcanists are defined by uh, you having no soul. So if you play this faction, um, you're a terrible human being. But we're going to talk about styles, too. So really, when we look at um, Arcanists, we're we're finding the Arcanists to be one of the easier factions uh, overall on average. They have a ton of synergy and they've got some good mobility and some deadliness too. And I think that the one thing I found interesting when we got done with this, Ray, is we found that Arcanists kind of fell in the middle in almost all these categories, which, you know, they didn't make a lot of our top threes. Um, We only saw, you know, a few here and there, but that actually is kind of an interesting definition too, right? So if you like stylistically want a lot of variety through this process, and I didn't realize this, I think Arcanists might be the faction. I totally agree with that uh, that, uh, analysis there. Uh, Arcanists bring a lot to the table for a lot of different styles, and it's a good kind of almost gateway drug to Malifaux in general, where you might find some masters and Arcanists that you're like, I really like how this style is, and now you can kind of go find the faction that focuses on that style. Yep. Yep. So if you like, you're getting a ton of fun out of Colette, maybe 10 Thunders is something you want to look at. Right. All right. Let, how about Bayou? I think the number one defining characteristic on Bayou is the fun factor. Um, they are a lot of fun, but uh, they also have a lot of control in their faction and uh, some masters that are not difficult to, to, um, to learn. So um, a Bayou, I think is another one potentially raid. That's another gateway. I agree with that because it's a, ton of fun, not super difficult um, to kind of grasp. And I think that one thing that's neat is, you know, other games have gremlins and orcs and stuff like that, but no game out there thematically has anything like Bayou. No. Okay. Talk to us about Neverborn. 
So Neverborn absolutely is all about the synergy. Almost every master in Neverborn wants to be in keyword. They want to be using their keyword thematics and and synergistic aspects to be more either efficient, potent, or just more fun. And that is another defining aspect for them is that they are a lot of fun. You're looking at some control elements and that wraps up this really nice package of if you are looking to find an aesthetic that is a piece that's a pleasing both visually and mentally while still being able to give you the tools to victory and being fun while you're winning like or losing either or it's like Neverborn is definitely going to be a faction you should look at. All right. How about outcasts? Outcasts are definitely one of the more kill oriented factions, which, you know, I personally really like, actually. <laughs> um, I've actually never really played much in the way of the Victorias, but with their new keyword, I may have to change my tune and put them on the table. Um, but Death, Doom, Destruction, and Mayhem is their hallmark, and you have a blast while doing it. You're going to run around the table, sticking swords and bullets into people, and laughing like a madman the entire way. And like, if that doesn't sell you on Outcast, then I, I can't help you. Yeah, they rank high in mobility too. So, uh, but that's a that's a nasty combo. Having ranked high in deadliness and mobility, that's scary. Oh, it's absolutely terrifying, and it's just one of those things where it's like the, when you look through all the masters, you kind of have this moment of wow, really. <laughs> But finish us off with Resurrectionists, sir. Yeah, I'm going to talk Resurrectionists. So um, really kind of the two big factors that I think define the faction are mobility and deadliness. Um, you know, on the deadliness scale, you got, you know, Seamus and 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 McMorning. And for mobility, you've got Karai and Yen Lo. And uh, of course, Seamus on the mobility aspect as well. Um, the other thing that I'm really noticing is I like a lot of the synergies in resers now. Um, and so I'm having a lot of fun with that. So I think that if you're really want, um, you know, a little bit like the outcast, but in a different way, kind of that deadly mobility, but, um, with some good synergy, I think the resers might be the way to go. Well, Ray, this, um, you and I being together on this podcast was long overdue. Um, and, uh, I really was looking forward to this. Um, you put a ton of work into this, Ray, and I appreciate that. You're the one that, uh, you know, I advised here and there, but you really did uh, the heavy lifting and, uh, to go through and to rank every master on all of these six factors. Um, I hope that the audience appreciates, um, really what this is. And I'm hoping guys that you go out there and you share this podcast with people that you're trying to get into the game, um, or for people that are new to the game, because hopefully it'll help, you know, steer their ship to a faction into masters that they find fun absolutely craig and you know you've been heralding this heralding this podcast for over uh for 20 episodes now or is it over 20 episodes now i think it is yeah yeah so it's like it's more than happy to finally be able to get on here with my uh, comrade in arms my cohort if you will um the uh, the, the brains behind the uh the site so to speak it was an absolute pleasure my friend all right, man. Take care of yourself. And guys, don't forget um, to check out our YouTube channel as well as uh, the website. That's thirdfloorwars.com, T-H-I-R-D. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and write a review on this podcast so we can find more people almost as cool as you are. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for Third Floor Wars. That's T-H-I-R-D. We'll catch you next time on the Third